ladies, you are listening to Women Emerging Fearlessly. Did you know that four out of five women struggle with confidence and knowing who they are? This show is dedicated to helping women lead their lives with fearless confidence and to know how amazing they truly are. In this show, you will hear from women who are emerging fearlessly, who have overcome many obstacles to pursue their dreams and passions, and they will inspire you and encourage you to stand up, step out, and speak up. Be your authentic self and bring your true gifts to the world. My name is Janelle Anderson, and I am your host. If you enjoy this podcast, please leave a great review and subscribe and share it with your friends. Enjoy the show. Welcome, everybody, to this episode of Women Emerging Fearlessly. I am here today with a guest, and I'm excited to introduce her to you. Her name is Katie O'Shea, and she's a practicing physical therapist in Pennsylvania and New Jersey. She has clinical experience as a PT. She's worked in the hospital, in rehab, home care, and outpatient settings. Katie has spent the last several years of her career in management and leadership development, and she's been involved from the ground up in facility operations to overseeing established rehabilitation programs. So Katie has extensive experience in program development, marketing, and leadership training. And she's also got her Lean Six Sigma Yellow Belt Certification, which I need to find out what that is. (laughs) And she takes pride in helping to grow the next generation of leaders and is excited to share with us today some life leadership strategies. So welcome to the show, Katie. Oh, thank you so much, Janelle. I'm so excited to be here. I am excited to have you. Thank you. Thank you. So let's just dive right in here to some of this uh, talking about leadership, um, these strategies you want to share. I love leadership. I love talking about leadership, especially women. So tell us what you mean when you say leadership. How do you, Katie O'Shea, define leadership? I define it as every area of your life. You know, I think so often as a younger a younger leader, I was always distracted by the thought of leadership meant executive management. It meant that C-level suite. And I never really put two and two together that you have to lead yourself where you are before you can lead others. And I think that's just such a, such a piece that I try to impart when in, in, my, in my work, in my teaching, in my consulting, is that you, know, you really lead yourself. And then from there, the world is your oyster, right? You, you just can go through any door when you truly know yourself, what make your goods as well as your bads, um, it really, you can use those strengths and, and those opportunities to your best interest um, and, and really set yourself up for success, which then sets up the rest of your team for success. Yeah, I love that definition of, of leadership. I, I always say um, to a lot, of, a lot of times to my clients who say, I'm not a leader, I'll say, well, you are, you're leading your life and you're influencing somebody. You know, people are watching. hundred percent. People are always watching. And, you know, I, as I have dove into my journey more and, and branched out on my own, I actually hear people saying to me, I love watching your journey. And, you know, so often I, I had the misconception that watching my journey meant liking my social media. Right. And you think, oh, I'm, I'm doing a good job today. I got more likes or, oh, this topic wasn't good. I didn't get more likes. But then you, you meet people who there is that the silent watchers 
you know, that they're watching your journey and <laughs> that you're, you're seeing that you really do impart value from, from, from that piece as well. That's such a great point. So many of us uh, entrepreneurs are looking at those likes and comments and like, oh my gosh, it's like crickets, you know, you put this content out there, and, but you can't look at that because you're right. There are these silent watchers, which kind of sounds creepy, but <laughs> it does, right? It sounds like you might need a restraining order. <laughs> but they're out there. <laughs> they are, they are. And I, you know, I think it's so much, you know, people want to test the water before they dive in and you know people social media and, and the internet make like we were saying beforehand what we do without google but on the same same you know idea it's information overload for people so people just watch and see and and i, I think that's a it's a big piece you know if, if you're leading yourself you can it's a good good spot to be right and if you keep in mind if you're just leading in authenticity and you're just being you then those people that are watching that are silent right now you don't have to worry about going back and trying to clean it up. You know, if you're just you and you just be real and genuine and authentic, then you're good. And uh, I've had lots of people come back to me and say, hey, I've been following you for a while. I've been getting your emails. I've been in your group even on Facebook. And now they kind of start raising their hand to get into more of a personal conversation with me. But before they were watching and they were taking it in and I was leading, you know, so that's an excellent excellent point about leadership is that we are all leading our lives. So keep that in mind. doesn't necessarily mean you have to have a position, right? Or a title. 100%. You know, and I think for me, I was very lucky early on in my career. One of my mentors uh, gave me the book, The 360 Degree Leader by John Maxwell. You know, and oh, yeah. um, that, that was eye-opening for me because you really... You, it took that that pers- that misperception of it's only upper management that leads, and it broke it down to what can I do as you know as a worker bee? How how can I lead myself? And those that you know are, are support staff to me, how can I help them in their journey? And a lot of time you find that when you're helping folks along the way, it's not actually in the job role itself. You're helping them with skills that are transferable to their life as well. And yeah. I think that's so important. Oh yeah, that's a that's a beautiful point. Let's dive into that a little bit. You know, <laughs> that's just it's like that really hit me. <laughs> I think you know, in our world, we we think of leadership so much in the context of work and corporate America, or you know, you're in the medical field or or in education. I was in education for years, and you think of that's where you're a leader and you're leading by your role, your things that you're doing in your job. But let's dive into what you just said, like these transferable things into life. Give me an example. Oh gosh. I mean, organization, right? Everyone thinks a leader is so organized. Well, if you're, if you're leading a household, if you're leading a a mid-level marketing, right, you have to be organized. You know, if you're making your grocery list, it helps your time and efficiency if you're organized rather than going to get the beans and then the bananas and then the ketchup and then the ice cream and all that. Um, so I think organization is a great skill, uh, which, which goes into my lean six Sigma. Uh, it's basically, oh, a, <laughs> what is that? <laughs> it's basically a fancy title for a professional organizer. Oh, so it's really, it really focuses on efficiencies, whether it's in a um, contextual layout, you know, of the, the office, if it's in the paperwork, it's in the processing, it's on the um, support side, or if it's on the receiver side. So consumer, 
uh, versus provider. Um, and it really just, it helps you make the most of your time, right? We only have 24 hours in a day. So right. how do we maximize our efficiency within that and work on process improvement? Um, you know, that comes from a collaborative approach, which is always has that buy-in a lot better than I boss decide you workers mm -hmm. do, right? Exactly. <laughs> um, so it really pulls that whole team together um, and there's different formulas to follow and, and things of that that help to give you structure to your program. There's quite a few levels. I just have started the, the entry level, but you can go all the way up. I think it's a double black belt, kind of, I think, similar to the karate. Um, yeah, that's what it sounds like. <laughs> belt system. So it's, it is a really neat, a neat thing to have. I think of that in the in context of being in an organization, but even at-home solo, solopreneurs like myself, I run into this a lot with women in my world that are like, I, I can't get anything done. I get distracted by this or that. And they don't have a flow. They don't have routines. They don't have their setup in place where they can, you know, go to work. Like I have this table over here and it's set up. And I, when I step over from my easy chair over to the table, I'm at work <laughs> and, you know, it's still not like set up efficiently. It's just a table. I, I need to get the whole desk thing set up. But I think that those kinds of skills are so important because it is true that you only have so much time. And I hear this a lot, like I want to get more done in less time and feel at the end of the day, like I made progress, you know, I was productive. And I talk about confidence a lot. I think that also builds your confidence. It does. Because you know that, hey, I got a lot done. Right. Yeah. You, you feel that you have those wins, you're validated, you know, you had your to-do list and it comes down to, you know, you, you organized it well, you prioritized well, and you put that effort in. And it does. It's an instant, just, you know, when you have a checklist and you're checking things off, it's that instant mood boost, that accomplishment. And it makes a huge, a huge difference. Yeah, it does. Yeah. There's, um, I am blanking on the name, the, the Pareto, Pareto rule. The principle behind this rule is the fact that we only have 24 hours in our day. So you have to take 80% of your day and do the top 20% in it. So when you have that long to-do list, you pick the top three or four things and that's what you focus on, which feeds right back into your point about confidence. Because otherwise you have this long list that you just, whether consciously or subconsciously, it's, I failed today. I didn't do this. Look at me. I was lazy. Things that just... Everything we say to ourselves, that negative self-talk really exactly. impacts. So it, it really makes a lot of sense. You know, we, we're not expected to accomplish the world in the day, right? Rome wasn't no, built in a no. day. Neither were we. <laughs> yeah, I always talk about the power of three and our mind works in threes. So I have three targets every day. Like what are my three main things I want to make sure I hit today? And those are all tied into my week three targets and my monthly and my quarterly. So I'm always working on these three things at a time. And if I get them done and I do more, great. But those are the top priority. And that's what's going to move my business forward is those things. Right. And that helps keep me focused because otherwise I'll just get distracted by every shiny object, every everything. Oh, let me go do this. Let me go do that. Oh, a squirrel. Yeah. Oh, a puppy. <laughs> yeah. I think in, you know, in, in leadership, whether it's in, in your professional role or in your personal role, having something that anchors you, um, that, you know, you have that task, that overarching, whether it's your, your vision board or your New Year's resolution, whatever it is you're working on for that year, it, it helps you come back when you lose your way. Because the reality is we all lose our way. Yeah. Even the best laid plans, it, life happens. Yeah. 
Yeah, you have you do have to be flexible. Like you were talking earlier about not beating yourself up because you didn't get everything done on your to-do list. You have to be able to roll those things over and know that life is life and life can get in the way. And you know, a week or so ago, my husband ended up in the hospital with pneumonia for two oh, nights. Gosh. And yeah, so that week was kind of like, uh, you know, uh things changed. Yeah. Things got right. taken off my schedule and right. um, had to had to roll with that one. How's but, he doing? Is he okay? Yeah, he's fine. He's, he's good. Yeah. But just being able to kind of come back, like you said, the anchor, I love that, that metaphor. And if we don't have anchors in place for what do we want to accomplish this year and this quarter and this month and this week, um, we can get kind of lost and tossed around and then not really hit our targets. You know, like I usually have like three big things I'm working on Mm -hmm. and that's what I keep coming back to. I keep coming back to those. I love that. I, um, I do, a, I do a vision board. So same ID and you know, I put my top, I use top five for the year, uh, you know, personal and professional. Um, I do a financial, a health, and then a spiritual. And those are my five things that each year I focus on. And I've learned, so I have a little vision board I post in my office, which is where I do my work. But then I find, especially now and 2020 has just totally changed the game. I have yep. <laughs> um, put them on my phone also. So when I'm working remotely, or traveling that I, I have them and I have that portable vision board with me that I can refer back to, um, to help. Cause for me, that is my anchor, you know, and this is, it is my why, the why I'm doing what I do. Um, because it makes, it makes a difference. You know, it does make a difference when you're looking at it in October, something you started January, you're going, wow, you know, I really have made progress in these areas. And yeah, I have, I have one too. It's right over there. <laughs> <laughs> and new things popped up this year. Of course, this year was so different. So, you know, that's, that's okay too. As long as you can evaluate, okay, is this new thing what's really important to focus on now to move me towards where I, you know, want to go or where I intended to go? Because sometimes what I thought was going to get me there, something else will get me there actually better. That's what happened to me this year. So. Did it? Okay. Yeah. And I love that, actually. You know, I think a huge piece of leadership is change and your ability to respond to change because change is, right, our only constant besides taxes. Yep. I mean, taxes are pretty yeah. constant. Um, but, but change <laughs> is the one thing we always will have. And so to be able to say, I think it's a beautiful thing. You are able to say, okay, I'm going to update and add these things too because that's hard for people. We, we become tangible in our goal and this is, all we have and we have to hit this goal. Um, and you know, it's, it's, sometimes it's not that goal. That's our, our plan anymore. That's right. Yeah. Certainly a piece from my time as a physical therapist that I've learned, you know, I would come in as a new grad PT 14 years ago and make these grand plans for patients <laughs> and <laughs> <laughs> these beautiful 10 goals and short-term and long-term, and they were going to accomplish the world. And then reality sets in and their arthritis flares up or their gout or their family issues or what have you. And you, you realize so quickly how you have to be able to be flexible and pivot and shift. And that's a huge piece with, with leadership, you know, private life, like with your family, you know, hospitalization, things of that come up. And, you, per, you know, when you're working, well, that, that's an easy one. Things always comes up when you're working. But it's if you can handle that change and be, you know, have a higher emotional intelligence about it and be flexible in it, it really, you set yourself up for success also. And this year we have learned how to pivot. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> multiple times. Yes. <laughs> Ten, I think what we're at a uh, seven months of pivoting and counting. <laughs> yes. And it's been, that's probably the biggest gift out of this whole pandemic is learning to pivot, learning that it's okay to do things a different way. You know, there are more than, there's more than one way to slice an apple or whatever. And coming up with creative out of the box ideas. I've seen that over and over again. It's been really fun to see, you know, in my own business, but in my clients as well. And that's, I mean, I think so many people are finding, you know, it's okay to, people are becoming more comfortable failing a little bit because you're realizing you're failing forward. And, you know, it's, we're, we're trying, we're changing. Okay. That didn't work. (laughs) Well, let's try it again a different way. Okay. In a different way. And it's, I think it's been a great year for, for folks for personal development. <laughs> oh, yes. It's been a huge year for that. <laughs> yeah, it's been great. And I think it's opened up a lot of people's minds to, hey, you know, I've been in this world of doing things this way and following this path and now everything's changed. Wait a minute. Let me step back and take a look at where do I really want to go from here? is that the right path? Is that the way, right way to do it? Is there something I need to learn or change? Or I've seen a lot of that. A lot of people that weren't open to it before are now like learning new things and taking new risks and chances. And it's a beautiful thing. It and really it's is. a lot of an uncomfortable zone for a lot of people, but I think it's a huge piece of your personal leadership. Yeah. Being comfortable with the uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's in- my, uh, my, my favorite John Maxwell, right? Uh, you know, nothing good comes in comfort. It's true. <laughs> and it really is. You know? yeah. <laughs> Even if you're sleeping in a bed eight, 10 hours a day, that's wasting away your muscles. That's not good. Sure, you're comfortable, but it's not good for you. Yeah. You know, and it's, yeah. Yeah. Well, sleep at night is good, but <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, right. That's true. Yeah, yeah. That's a good, good point of clarification, right? Your, yeah. your normal nighttime sleep is amazing, but it's that, uh, just spending the day in bed cause you're comfortable. That's, that's not okay. That's yeah, or, not, on the, or on the couch, you know, the couch. On the couch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> also the couch. Yeah. Yes. And we were meant physically to move. And I think we were also meant mentally and emotionally and just, you know, we're meant to move life moves. So we've got to move with it. Yeah, we do a hundred percent. So, you know, it's, it's always nice when folks self-identify and reach out. Uh, it's always easiest when you have someone looking to grow. Um, so that's the easy way, you know, and how I have identified in, in my career is seeing folks who come to you with, with problems. And when you come back and say, okay, bring me three solutions and one has to involve you. And then you see what they come to the table with. Right. You know, I've I've had the privilege of bringing a lot of new therapists up from first job into their career and you see them grow. Uh, You see how their mind changes and they learn and you see you're able to give them the coaching that they need to get that bigger picture. I really find that you see in the responses they come with um, in within their solutions of their potential for growth. There's two types of folks in the world who are going to complain about it and want to do nothing and then the complain about it and want to fix it. So when you find that that group that has that, I'm not okay with status quo, those are the folks who I start having conversations with and say, you know, hey, that's something that you, it's like, you know, leadership talent you have there. What do you, what do you think? And they say, no, I don't, I don't want to be a boss. And that's what everyone always thinks. Um, you know, in healthcare right. specifically, I always talk to folks about specialization. There's so many avenues that therapists specifically can travel that we really don't even take advantage of. 
um, in terms of health coaching, you know, insurance-based, cash-based, home modifications, teaching, research, devices. Um, it, there's just, there's so much they can do. And sometimes it's, it's not thinking about it in terms of, it's helping them to not think about it in terms of leadership in a, for, in, a, in a box. Leadership, you know, how do they support and develop the next level of students? You know, I've had many, many a student come through or, or younger therapists that they don't want to be a manager, but they want to excel clinically. So helping them to get the certifications they need, get the experience they need to sit for the certifications and then have students come in and help them see how that as a leader, they need to be a leader to train the next student and how they can impart their knowledge on. Um, so I, I pull a lot from my experiences of PT and I break the task down because I think if you come at somebody and say, this is what you need to do and here are the 10 steps to follow. And if you follow this sheet, voila, success, right? Doesn't work. <laughs> just it doesn't work. It's overwhelming. No guidance. There's no roadmap. Um, so I just, I break the task down. Same as when I'm helping a patient learn a new skill or regain function. Um, so I, I break it down. I start at the beginning and I, I start without even saying the word lead, without even saying the word professional development. Because you say that and then someone goes, I don't want to do that. So I just take it out of there. And, you know, once someone's comfortable, you've built that rapport. That's when I take the opportunity and say, hey, do you know what you're doing? Um, <laughs> they always say, that was so sneaky. I'm like, yeah, but what if <laughs> it was? You're right. Totally take ownership. Um, but, you know, and then I'll say, if I had said to you, I think you're someone who could take a student. I think you're someone who could be a team lead. What would you have said? And they'd be like, oh, no, I don't want to do that. Blah, blah, blah. And so it's helping them kind of get out of their own way, which has been right. the most successful way I've seen it. It's like helping them to see what is in them. Um, because, you know, we have all these words and we have these meanings attached to them, like leadership, or you hear the word leader and you think boss, but just, it sounds like you're just kind of like opening up and letting them see by drawing that out of them, what's in them first. And then mm -hmm. once mm -hmm. they see that, then they're able to embrace that and say, oh, well, where could this lead me? What? What could this mean? What's, what's something I could do with this? I do that with my clients, helping them see their strengths and their personality and all the parts that make them unique. And then where does that show up in your life? Or where can you build on that? You know, what's, what's some place in your life where you've seen that before? Or, you know, and just kind of draw it out of them so they can begin to create their own path, really. Yeah, it's not cookie cutter. <laughs> I love that. So I have a question for you when, when you're saying about strengths, what are your, what's your opinion on all the personality assessments and the strength finder and those things? Do you like them? Do you not? Well, I love assessments. I use assessments all the time because I, I love to see what makes somebody who, who they are. I think you can overdo it with all the ones that are out. There's a lot out there. Um, I use strengths finder because it shows you your kind of innate abilities, things you do really well naturally that you can build on in your, whether it's career path or personal life or whatever. And then I like to use a personality assessment because that's a little bit different. It's like pulling out all the, it's like a jigsaw puzzle you dump out on the table and you sort through it. Like these are all the pieces of who you are and how do they fit together? <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I use the Enneagram. I've been really diving into that as a personality. <laughs> 
As like it's so interesting and so multi-layered and faceted and it doesn't try to type you into one thing and this is it. Whereas some of those, I think, you know, you get this type and you get these letters and that's you, but you don't even understand what it means. Like mm-hmm. Taking an assessment is one thing, but diving into what does it mean for you? You know, we're all unique and you might be a, you know, uh, INJP or whatever and Myers-Briggs, but that, that you might not be exactly like another one, you know? And so the mm-hmm. Enneagram really helps you to like dive deeper into all the different aspects like you might be you have a dominant personality but you have aspects of the other types that show up differently in you in different kind of uh, situations so that one I love and then the third assessment I use is one created by my school where I was trained and it's called energy leadership index assessment so it talks about leading but it's again like we were talking about earlier leading from who you are and seeing like how you're showing up in different situations uh, based on your perspective and your uh, the energy you bring with what you think, what your opinion, your view. It's like looking through glasses. Like how do you see the world and kind of how do you show up in a default way? Like everybody has default patterns of how they think and how they show up. And then there's the emotion that's attached to it, the thoughts, the beliefs, and they all carry an energy. So we look at the energy levels and it gives people an awareness of how they're showing up so they can begin to choose, how do I want to show up? Just because this is the way I've always been doesn't mean I have to stay here. <laughs> um, so that's yes. a powerful one. It's not personality. Like it's not strengths. It's very attitudinal based. So it can change and shift. Uh, okay. Sort of like thermostat in the house changes, you know. I like that. I like that analogy. We see shifts over time. Like if I give somebody that assessment at the beginning of working with them and then a year later I give it to them again it's going to change because they have really increased their awareness self-awareness and they've begun to change how they react how they the emotional intelligence grows you know they're able to to uh, be aware of a reaction going on and step back from it and still think clearly and make a choice and stay calm, that kind of thing. It's really powerful. I really like that, that you're encouraged to retake the test and to see that uh, growth. I think that's, yeah, know, speaks to a lot of people on a very personal level of, <laughs> you know, you check the boxes, you see the change. That's really exciting. I like that. Yeah, that's different than personality or strengths are going to pretty much stay the same. Mm-hmm. 100%. But this is... This is something that you can actually change. <laughs> I like that. That's yeah. really interesting. And that was called the Energy Index Assessment? Yeah, Energy Leadership, Leadership. Index. Okay. It was actually named by Forbes last year as one of the top 10 assessments out there. But you can only get it from an IPEC coach. Okay. So That's good to know, yeah. though. That would be me. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. I might have some people to send your way. Oh, yeah. Send them my way. Definitely. I'm, I'm a fan of, of, of the test, but I, I always worry about people getting to your point earlier. You know, they, they become an INFJ and I can only be an INFJ or, yeah. you know. Yeah. 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 That, that I think is a drawback unless you work with a coach or somebody that's trained in, in that assessment to help you to 
understand it really. I mean, there's so much psychology behind all these tests (laughs) (laughs) and people just take them and they get this label and they're like, Oh, well, that's who I am. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what it means. (laughs) (laughs) You're so much more than an INFJ. (laughs) Don't stop yourself. You're not a silo. Get out of the silo. Yeah, 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 exactly. I've had people say, I'm a warrior. I'm like, that's great, but there's three other things you could be, (laughs) you know? Yes, yes, yes. So funny. Yeah, even with the strengths, you know, with the strengths finder, they give you the five top talent themes is what they call them, actually. And it's just your raw material that it's what you were born with kind of woven into your DNA of where you perform really well. Like something comes easy to you. And most people don't think of that as a strength. It's just something that comes easy to them. One of mine is developer. And I've always had this ability to see potential and people and want to draw it out of them. And I just zero in on it. I'm like, oh, there's that potential. Let me like help you. (laughs) Let me develop that. Yeah. (laughs) But if but you can take that raw material and you can build on it with training and skill and knowledge and practice. It's like learning a musical instrument. You know, you could have a natural ability for music, but if you don't ever use it and build on it, it doesn't become a huge, like, excellent. You, you don't perform with excellence. You can have a very talented musician who doesn't work at it, somebody who's average in talent, but works at it and end up being, you know, excellent and um, amazing. And the person with the natural talent doesn't do anything with it. And so that's why I like that one. Cause that's something you can build on. And you, when, when I've seen clients become aware of those talent themes and they like, Oh, I didn't know that was one of my strengths. They call it, I'm going to like own this thing and build on it and embrace it. And yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. That's, yeah. I like that. That's so beautiful. So do you use assessments developing thing. leaders yourself? Yes and no. Um, I have shied. So it's, it's interesting. In healthcare, we do assessments on everybody. Every patient gets at least two assessments, if not five. <laughs> we, we, we check everything from balance, strength, like, uh, cardiac, aerobic function, everything. Um, and I find therapists end up wanting to pigeonhole themselves and not not be able to step away from what the test told them they were. And I, I have actually found that to be a block. And it's hard because as, as, a, as a physical therapist, as a leader, I like assessments. I like to know. I like that objective data. And, I, and to your point earlier, how can I move my mark in that? You know, um, some things I will never be a strength for me, but how do I compensate for my weakness? Exactly. You know? And I like mm-hmm. that awareness. Um, but I, I have found that especially the younger generation and out of school graduates that they want the test. They love the objective data, but then they they become it rather than becoming who they truly yes. are. So I, I won't give somebody or recommend someone use an assessment measure until they've been out of school at least a year. Because mm. I think it's it's good for them to... To, to fail a little bit and to struggle a little bit. And that might sound horrible, um, but it really comes from a place of love and unconditional love that if you don't know how to come back from failure and if you don't know how to come back from a mistake, you're missing a really important part of life. And so if you set yourself up to only be successful in the areas that you know or your strengths, you're missing a whole part 
And so that that's why I stopped using them below a year out of school. Um, but I certainly do like them. The strength finder I enjoy and the, the disc profile I use a little bit. Um, and so yeah, it's kind of pick and choose based off person's personality. And, you know, therapists will study to the test. It's one of our, our faults in life. Um, so if someone comes in with a lot of, you know, have done has done a lot of personal development or leadership development, it's also something that I won't do right on the forefront because I think they're, they're testing to test rather than testing to learn themselves. Right. That's a really good point to make, you know, just building on life experience, um, learning from failure, being able to bounce back and build that resilience and then being flexible and looking for other ways to learn. So yeah, that's a, that's a really great, I think that's a good plan. Wait, wait a while, let them have that experience. Um, yeah, yeah. Like facing difficulties and new challenges and learning how to figure it out, how to move through it, how to get around it and through it. That really develops your confidence for one thing it does. and decision-making skills and you know, resiliency and all of that. And then when you give them the assessment, you could say, see, you've already been doing these things. And right. <laughs> so, so I love it. Love it. Love it. Thank you. Well, yeah, this has been a really great conversation. Is there anything you would like to kind of end with anything on your mind or heart that would help my listeners understand leadership a little bit more? One thing that I think is just so important is to be authentic and to be vulnerable. You know, and nothing, nothing wins the hearts over more of somebody of a leader who will say, I'm not exactly sure, but here's what I do know. And here's what I'm going to find out. And we'll figure this out together. You know, be, be vulnerable enough to say you don't know and be um, authentic enough to say you'll walk the path with them. I think that leader walking with the group uh, always goes farther than a leader walking ahead and just telling people, come on, come on. Um, so that, that's kind of my, my, my final thought. Yeah. That's a powerful thought. I totally agree with you. People do resonate with vulnerability, authenticity. If they know their leaders in there with them, I, I know I feel a lot more connected and safe, you know, like that leaders with me, my uh, son-in-law is a, a Marine. He's a, he's a leader. Um, and I remember at their wedding, some of the guys on his team were there and I was listening to them talking about him and what a great leader he is. And it's because he doesn't send them out to do something if he's not willing to go do it with them. I mean, he's there with them doing the same things he's asking them to do. So, you, you know, they had such great respect for him and he's for them. He supports them. Like he's, you know, really there to help them grow. And you can tell, you know, he's, commands he has a commanding like presence like yeah he's in charge but he's also there with you and so I to to your point there I think that's huge and he's making himself just as vulnerable as them and their situations that they're in which are scary but (laughs) (laughs) so scary (laughs) I thank him for his service because that's 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 not an easy job in Mm -mm. today's world even harder yeah but it's it's very true. Yeah. And just, just yeah. yeah. He's deployed right now. Mm-hmm. So 
busy. Yep. Thanks. Yep. Um, so anyway, well, thank you so much for coming and sharing your expertise and your wisdom with us. It's been a great conversation. And I'm sure many of my listeners will really be able to take some golden nuggets away. Um, so yeah. So thanks for coming and sharing with us. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I enjoyed the chat. Yeah. And I will be putting your uh, contact information in the show notes, email or whatever. Um, is there a specific contact information you would like to share so people can get in touch with you? Oh, sure. Um, my website, www.therapyedgeconsulting.com. Um, they can link right onto there and there's a contact me section or my email is katie, K-A-T-I-E dot O'Shea, O-S-H-E-A at therapyedgeconsulting.com. Nice. And we didn't even talk about you have a consulting practice, but... <laughs> Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you want to share a little bit about that? A little. Um, so that, that really came from my leadership experience. Um, you know, I, I have the, the business side of my life and the clinical side as well. And I realized early on that I um, had, a, had a unique, what was innate to me was not innate to so many. And um, being able to bring that to folks in terms of helping companies with their business solutions, uh, clinical clinical problem solving, clinical pathways, and leadership development of, of their staff and their team. So that's a little bit of what I do within the, the healthcare. Nice. Healthcare Very scope. good. Thank you. Thanks. Wow. Yeah. So I love what you're doing in the world, developing leaders and helping people to really embrace uh, that part of their life and be the best that they can be in leadership. So thanks again for coming to the program. Thanks for having me. It was great. Okay, ladies, thanks for listening. And until next time, go out there and be fearless, be confident, and be you. I hope you enjoyed that episode and got a lot out of it that will help you on your journey to becoming fearlessly confident. If you would like to know how to work with me to help you to become fearlessly confident, just email me, Janelle, at EmergingLifeCoaching.com. You can also go to my website. There's lots of great resources on there, including a free mini course called Be Confident, Be Real, Be You. It's a three-video course with downloadable action guides that will definitely help you to get on this journey to becoming fearlessly confident. My website is EmergingLifeCoaching.com. Thanks for listening, and until next time, be fearless, be confident, and be you.